0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. It's the Hoop Bowl Clippers Podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Hope you're having a fantastic start to the week wherever you are as you listen to this one. We've got a great show ahead. We'll be talking to the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, Brian Seaman. He was on the first ever Hoopball Clippers podcast. We'll get a chance to talk to him for the second time, talk a little bit about the job that he currently has, how he got it, uh, some words of wisdom from Ralph Lawler, and also talk about the team as well with Brian, what he thinks about Kawhi, Ivatsa Zubats, how great he's been to start the season. So some good talking points, obviously, with Brian, and always a good conversation when we have him on. But before we start... And get to that conversation. Don't forget, this podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com or on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. So, the Clippers. Well, they have been pretty good to start. Their 5-2 and two record, pretty, pretty impressive. The last time we spoke, we talked about Kawhi and whether he was going to be load managed, would he play both games? Well, I was wrong. I, I was dead wrong. I thought that he for sure would play both games. And I gotta tell you something. I like it and I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. I like it because it means that they don't care about the regular season as much and they're focused on making sure he is healthy when it matters in the Western Conference Finals and the Western West Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. Now What do I think about it being done so early in the season? Don't love it. He's healthy. You don't know how long he's going to be healthy for. He has not been playing a ton of minutes, averaging about 30 minutes per game. I think I would have been okay if he played 25 minutes in back-to-back nights instead of playing 31 night. Uh, Obviously, you want Pete Kawhi, and you want him to be on the floor as much as possible. But this team is very different without Kawhi Leonard. And I would not be surprised if he sits more when PG is out. And frankly, that's why I thought that he was going to play, because you don't have Paul George. But you need to make sure he's healthy. So I get it. It's just tough, because he really is healthy right now. And when he's healthy and he's producing, and he didn't play a ton during the preseason, you want him on the floor. And you don't have Paul George. And you want to see how this team works together. But he was load managed, unfortunately. You know what also makes these games more fun? A few dollars on them. Place your next bet at mybookie.ag, our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code TODAY. That's the word TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, and mybookie will match your first deposit up to $1,000. Head there now. Again, that's mybookie.ag, and the promo code is the word TODAY. And One more for you. Our newest partner, Hoopall, is Manscape.com, the premier website for male specialty grooming products. Use the promo code Hoopall on your purchase to get 20% off and free shipping. That's a hell of an offer on a great set of products. Go check out the lawnmower; you'll love it. So please go ahead and check out and help out our sponsor. So, enough yapping for me. What's ahead for the Clippers? A back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday. Tough games. Milwaukee will be a fun one on Wednesday against Giannis. How will the Clippers do against a very good Milwaukee team? Eric Bledsoe returns to the Staples Center. It's always fun seeing him, the former Los Angeles Clipper. That was tremendous and fun to watch for the Clippers. How will he do? He's been off to a little bit of a rough start. He's been battling back the last couple of games. I know he had an injury to his abdomen, I believe, so he's recovering from that. We'll see how he does against the Clippers. And then we'll be back, most likely, either Thursday or Friday. If not, then we'll be back on Sunday to recap those games since the Clippers only have two games this week. So without further ado, enough of me. Let's talk to Brian Seaman. Well, what a delight this is. Our first guest on the Hoopball Clippers podcast returns. He is Brian Seaman, the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. Brian, appreciate you coming back on the Hoopball Clippers pod.
1: Brandon, always good to chat. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. A good start for the Clippers Um, I think if you would have told me that they'd be starting, I think, believe five and two is the record now. I'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, Very interesting how it's happened so far. Obviously, Uh, sitting Kawhi in Utah and losing that game was tough. Uh, We'll talk about the low management stuff a little bit later on. But how's it been for you? Obviously, a very different job than what you had before. Radio versus TV is very different. It is very different
1: on a lot of levels, and then on a lot of levels, it's kind of the same. You know, I think when the highlight plays happen, whenever those are, whether it's the first or fourth quarter, uh, to be honest, I kind of feel the same about that. But my goal is to kind of have the analysts take the center spotlight, and whether that's just inducing dialogue or trying to create space after a play for them to say something – that's been kind of the the dance that we've been doing with Chauncey and Corey who, and I I just feel like I've got the best job in the league working with those two guys, throw in Mike Fratello who will join us, I believe at the end of the month. So it's been a, it's been a fun learning experience because everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants a great show. There's no egos involved. And so it's been a, from our standpoint, kind of a painless transition. Maybe the viewers certainly trying to, you know, figure out what it's like uh, with uh, life without Ralph and, That will be something I battle for, you know, forever, literally as long as I'm here for however long I'm here, that will be the, uh, the gold standard and rightfully so.
0: Do you feel any pressure having followed Ralph and knowing that everyone had heard his voice for so long? You know, it's, I feel pressure. It's self-imposed pressure. I've had great
1: support from both the Clippers and Fox. Um, the front office with the Clippers has been super supportive and the team is great. So the, the, the pressure that I feel is like boy everything's lined up perfectly for you to to have a good transition here um it's the toughest thing that we'll have to do in our business is follow a legend and, it, and not even that following anybody that's just been here for like five years is challenging because that's what people are used to but when you factor in the fact that let's be honest he's the only voice that anybody's ever known that's followed the clippers yeah there's a bit of a it's not a pressure. It's just an understanding that I have that, look, you're not going to win everybody over. They're not going to like your style. Not everybody's going to do it. They're used to it one way. Um, but I do feel good about it. Number one, they're still going to have these games broadcast. So somebody's got to do them. And I feel that, you know, I really am a clipper. I am one of them. I'm one of us. I, you know, I, I I eat, breathe, sleep this team. And when they win, I feel excited as if, as if I'm a fan. And when I lose, I'm down in the dumps. And I try to bring an honest approach. I prepare every game for as much as I can. And I feel that Ralph and I were cut from the same cloth in that regard. We put the fans on the pedestal. Um, like I said, it's going to be an honest night's work for me. You're going to get a good view of what's going on with this team as far as I can take you behind the curtain. And you know, if they like it, that's great. If they're willing to, to give me a chance, I think that they'll feel good about it. Uh, but there's those that are just kind of,
0: and I've been this person too.
1: When I've followed a team or a network that changes their lead voice, you kind of like, nah, this guy's not very good. And I get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's different because obviously Ralph was there for so long. You were tremendous on radio and you were known for having your way with words. I mean, you could talk nonstop for a solid 30-minute stretch, and just think of the right word at the right time. And now in TV, you really let it breathe a lot more, and your color guy talks way more because you were by yourself on radio. How different is it as a broadcaster to make that transition? Because I'm sure part of you wants to say all the things that you were saying on radio, but you have to cut it down about 90%.
1: Yeah, that's probably a pretty good uh, percentage. You know, I worried, and worried isn't the right word, I just thought that that would be my struggle when it started, and I don't feel it. I really don't feel the necessity to tell you that Patrick Beverly commutes across the time stripe with a hip-high dribble, directing traffic with his left hand, and looking over his right shoulder at Doc Rivers. I don't feel the need to do that. The pictures can do that. Um, My goal truly is, to have the analyst talk as much as possible and I'll capture the play and give the score and get out of the way. Um, I think I kind of always was hoping to transition to television. I always wanted it to be here, but, you know, I had opportunities elsewhere over the last couple of years and that's my mind was always drifting to TV. And I knew that that would be kind of the fight in my mind anyway. Um, It doesn't seem like it's been as challenging as I thought it was. I embrace the opportunity to, again, allow the analyst to, to cut into what's happened. And um, it's a better show when Chauncey and Corey and soon-to-be Mike Fratello are talking a lot. And um, I'm, a, I'm a, a hoops nerd as well. So I'm, I'm not just sitting there thinking about what to say next. I'm listening to what those guys say because I want to learn about the game as well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's a di- difficult transition, and I'm sure Ralph helped you. With that, what words of advice did he leave you that you remember most? You know, it was, it was a lifetime's
1: worth of advice over 12 years. Um, you know, be yourself, let go. You know, I think when, he, when I first started on radio, I think he felt that I was too consumed with describing the exact inch of where the ball was and all this. He said, you got to let go and have fun. And I took that to heart. And it's not something that you could just do. It just doesn't happen where you wake up the next morning and say, okay, I'm going to let go. You have to find who you are within that kind of parameter. And I I feel that I have. I've let go. I've had some fun. I still keep it. You know, when I did those radio games, I still kept the description because that's what I enjoyed doing. But, you know, you make a mistake, laugh at yourself. If somebody else makes a mistake, laugh with them. And that's kind of the, the best advice I learned from Ralph. It doesn't have to be, super serious it there will be moments when it needs to be but by and large have fun
0: how much are you talking to him now because I'm sure that you guys keep in touch
1: we kept in touch a lot over the summer I wanted to kind of uh, before I started peppering him with questions he's available uh, you know anytime I call uh, he's available I know that Mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of figure out what I didn't know if that makes sense learn what I need to know and uh, I'm waiting to kind of figure all of that out before I give him a, a real buzz and a sit down of, you know, here's where I'm at. You know, what do you think? I'm sure he's been watching a few of these games uh, based off of his tweeting. And <laughs> so I'm curious to get his thoughts of everything. And, um, you know, I've had a, a good group of people that I can bounce ideas off but none better than Ralph
0: yeah he was not pleased when one of the games was on NBA TV and it was not carrying the Clippers broadcast I uh, saw that tweet he wanted to listen to you but he wasn't able to so I, I love that he's still following the team as much as he is and replying to people on Twitter it seems like he's very much engaged and doesn't want to just leave the Clippers and have a new life it seems like he really still wants to be involved I'm sure you're getting that as well
1: yeah, and I think it's great. You know, I mean, this was his life for his the last half of his life. You know, you're not going to just say I retire, unplug, and move on. You know, and uh, certainly the team being as great as they are is certainly fun to watch. And he might not be directly connected to Clipper games like he had been for 40 years. I know he still cheers for the fans. I know that's where his thoughts will be if and when the Clippers are able to pull this off. And uh, you know, everybody will be thinking about Ralph when it happens
0: national tv games i'm assuming that you're not going to join noah at any point because i know that ralph used to join you um and do games with you and you think you guys would switch off quarters at times and sometimes it would just be ralph and you would do the uh intro from the break is is that the way it's going to be
1: uh that's how it was i uh, i would actually join ralph on those games i was just <laughs> kind of reading the reads and stuff like that yeah and I'll be honest, those weren't my favorite days. I wanted to call those games myself as well. It was great to work with Ralph. And, you know, I never really approached the organization about doing that. I didn't, not that they would say, hey, this is something we're interested in. Um, I never really approached it. And I think radio should do radio and TV should do television. And and that's how it should be. And I'll tell you what, uh, the Clippers, (laughs) they've got a great one on radio. And I'll tell you this, I, I think he is a ready for a meteoric rise and i will i really believe that he is destined to do the biggest of events in our business he is that talented he's that mature he is that polished he is terrific i'm talking of course of noah eagle
0: yeah he's done a tremendous job how much have you talked to him throughout this i mean the start of the season has he come to you a bunch or are you guys just doing your own thing and feeling the tv side out for you and the radio side out for him
1: you know, uh, I mean this when I say he doesn't need advice. You know, I'm sure that uh, his advice is more logistics. Like, where do we park at the airport? Uh, what time do you get there? What about shoot-arounds? Um, the kid knows what he's doing. And I don't want to say that as in disrespectful. He's half my age, so I can call him a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but under no circumstances, when you talk to him, would you ever understand that he is less than 40? <laughs> at 22 years of age, he is as impressive of a you know, person as I've met. So I, I think I've mentioned this in an article or something, but I, we had lunch a couple of months ago, right after he moved in and, and I thought, okay, well, I'll start giving him some advice on NBA life and what it's like on radio as a solo act. It took me all of a minute to realize that he doesn't need this advice. He is, you know, his father, I think is one of the best announcers that we have not just now, but I really put him in the top five of all time. I love Ian Eagle as uh, smart as they come, as funny as they get, and it rubbed off on Noah for sure. And I think at the same time, the best compliment you can give Noah, I think he's his own person as well.
0: Yeah, he was on one of our podcasts. I had him on for a while, and he's a really good guy. Like you, Once you talk to him, you immediately understand why he got the job, and he is extremely comfortable in his own skin. He's not afraid of the challenge. It seemed like he was ready to go. He talked a little bit about his meeting with Steve Ballmer and how they challenged each other throughout that meeting. Uh, it, was, it was a good conversation. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, people that are listening to this podcast, go ahead, listen back to that. But back to you, how does your prep change for TV versus radio? Because radio, you obviously have a lot of time to kill. Um, during free throws, for example, you tell your own stories. You're not going to be talking to Chauncey and asking him advice. It's just you. So does your prep change at all, or is it the same?
1: It's there's more to the prep, um, like I wouldn't be comfortable. Like we don't talk much about the other team. Like I would on radio, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of time to fill. Um, but I still would be uncomfortable not knowing that information, you know, knowing about every person on that roster, what's their streak, what's their tendency. I like to know that kind of stuff, you know, just because I'm inquisitive that way. The additional part of the prep, um, is making sure that I have questions for the analysts, making sure that, you know, uh, did they play with a certain player? Did they play for this coach? Added, you know, to what I've already done, Uh, getting ready for the Doc Rivers interview is much different as well because you match it with pictures. Whereas I would always have my questions written out for Doc when we went in there. But oftentimes, you know, we would go and kind of wind our way around and maybe I wouldn't get to those questions because he would say something in his response, that would make me want to do a follow-up, but we're kind of married to pictures on television. Now, I'm not saying that the producers for the pregame show are not flexible very much; they are. But uh, I spend a lot of time making sure that those questions lead into one another, and that there's some, you know, non-basketball questions involved most of the time. But it's a fun process. It's, you know, it's it's prep. I enjoy doing it. And, um, you know, like I said, nothing's really changed. It's just added a little bit more, but stuff I enjoy doing.
0: Let's talk about the team. How, what do you think about the start so far? I mentioned that I thought that the start was solid. Um, obviously, missing Kawhi for a game, you expect a team to probably lose without Kawhi. What are your thoughts on the team start?
1: It's very impressive. You know, go, I haven't checked the numbers today, but going into the game against, uh, this is the day after we played Utah, that starting lineup was the best lineup in the NBA for lineups that have played over 50 minutes, which is a young season. It's not even a sample size, but, but the point is you've got Pat Beverly, who has struggled. Pat Patterson, who had a couple of good games, has been a good influence on the floor, but not a scoring machine. And Landry Shaman has yet to hit his stride. And yet that starting five is a top three defense, top two offense. It's impressive and there's this guy named Paul George uh, who has yet to join the fray. I mean, there were, you could have looked at that schedule, and you know, this homestand that they have is not easy. You know, you've got Milwaukee coming in. You've got Portland coming in in a back-to-back. Uh, it's not an easy situation. That said, I feel like the Clippers can win any game they play with this current lineup Add the guy that finished third in the MVP voting to this to this you know fray, and it's going to be something special. So they've done what they've needed to do. I love the win last night, not just because it's a W. Their offense was out of sync; they couldn't knock down shots. They're really struggling from above the arc in their last couple of the ball games, and yet they've won against two playoff-bound teams. I think not only from last year, but this coming year as well. So to win with your C offense against those types of opponents. It's going to be very scary, I think, going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kawhi, I think, started one of nine or something like that yesterday. And for him to just continue to shoot, you just tell a guy like that just to keep shooting. I mean, What has it been watching him for the last seven games to start this season? Now it's six since he sat out. What has it been like? Because I-, I don't know if you've seen a player like him on the Clippers throughout your entire time.
1: You know, I mean, he puts up these gaudy numbers. And he does it in the most low-key fashion You'll see. And, you know, this is not a game comparison, but more of a demeanor comparison. He's Tim Duncan. And I know that he played alongside him. I don't think that rubs off on somebody. I think that's just who you are genetically. So he dominates games. He puts up these huge numbers, 30 points last night, put up 38 points a couple of nights ago against San Antonio. There's no hoopla surrounding what he does. He just does it in a very... Low key, almost an unsung fashion, in the sense of again, there's no major highlights here, and that's not to say that those that put up numbers with highlights, we saw it with Blake, they're amazing, but Kawhi is just different, and it's just been very fun to watch. I've seen him interact with his teammates. He's he he is, and I don't mean to be funny about this. He is a fun guy. Like he's a pretty funny dude, um, but he's been super impressive. I think I speak for everybody that's watched him play. And I just sometimes I'm pinching myself. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy's on our squad here, man. This guy's a clipper. This is crazy.
0: How incredible has his leap been in the passing front? It seems like he has just become a completely different player. You knew he was an MVP type player last year, but it seems like he really has taken a step forward with his distributing ability. You know, and I don't want to say anything
1: negative about the teams that he's played on. Obviously, Toronto
0: won it all. Kyle Lowry,
1: Siakam, Danny Green, I mean, they got some real talent up there, but it just seems to me that everywhere Kawhi looks, there's somebody capable of finishing a play, and I think that makes it easier for him. Um, You know, his usage rate against San Antonio was rather high in the sense he really, I think Lou Williams put it best, was incentivized to play very well and to, to dominate that game, but to watch him in every other game, it's been a joy to see that. Like he's he's a good passer. He makes great decisions, and um, he'll add more tools when everybody gets uh, in that lineup. Mentioning Paul George, it's been fun to watch to see him kind of evolve as a player now, and really at the peak of his powers at the right time.
0: How surprised were you to see that Patrick Patterson was starting, and it wasn't Jermichael Green? Because I know everybody thought coming into the season it would probably be Green that starts at the four, but Doc decided to go with Patterson and put Jermichael Green in that second unit. Were you surprised at it, and how do you think it's worked out? I was very surprised, and uh, I remember being at the practice the day
1: before opening night against the Lakers, and when they were running their shell drill, Patrick Patterson was out there, and I'm like, that is bizarre. That must, that must not be – he must be a placeholder. Maybe Jermichael's a little nicked up. I thought Jermichael Green or Mo Harkless was the other one that I thought would actually start. And we started chatting about it. And those of us that were sitting on the bench, like kind of watching everything and we're like, you know, he has made a lot of shots in the preseason. we had just come off a, an ugly game against Dallas in Vancouver, but Pat Patterson knocked down a lot of shots. And when I asked Doc Rivers about it, that was exactly what happened. He said, not only during that game, but throughout practice, going back to Hawaii, like every time I watched him, he was hitting shots. Now that's given Pat Patterson some, some confidence. I don't know if he's going to be prolific like he was against Golden State in the second game. But if you look at his numbers when he's on the floor, he's been tough defensively. You know, he didn't have any points against San Antonio on Thursday, but he had nine rebounds. And his numbers were very good, like from kind of a behind-the-curtain standpoint. The offense and defensive efficiency stuff that can get kind of mind-boggling if you really delve into it. But bottom line is, the team plays better when he's on the floor. What happens when Paul George comes back? I, I really don't have any idea. But there are so many different starting five combinations that Doc Rivers can go to. And then you're only going to bolster your bench, whether that's Landry Shammond coming off with Lou and Trez. If J. Michael Green is going to be in that starting lineup, how does that function
0: into everything? It's going to
1: be crazy. Crazy good for the Clippers who already have the best bench this year.
0: Doc has a lot of weapons at his disposal. And he seems like he really enjoys having a strong second unit. Because once the starters are out there and then the second unit comes on, it really just does not go back to being just the starters on the floor except to really start the third quarter. He's able to mix and match and put everyone in different spots. The depth is something the Clippers have that I think puts them over the top when you compare them to a team like the Lakers or even a team like Utah that I know a lot of people thought was going to be a very good team coming in. I don't see their depth as much as others did coming into the season for Doc. I mean, how difficult do you think that is, choosing which players to come in? Because for you, obviously, there's so many different guys that you see and all the talent that they have, and mixing and matching, you don't really know which is going to be the right one, as you as a broadcaster just calling it, but just seeing the talent of these guys the last couple of years and adding a guy like Harkless, adding Magruder now, and then adding Paul George, I mean, that's got to be impossible for Doc. Well, he probably has
1: has a handle on it. Um, you know, you go back to two years when he was able to kind of MacGyver himself into wins with guys in the G League. Last year, they had a relatively healthy team. He was able to kind of figure out what the best lineup were. I think he thrives in situations where there's a lot of good decisions that have to be made, or I should say a lot of little decisions that have to be made to be a good decision in terms of lineups and how that all breaks down. And I know one thing talking to Doc over the years is that He loves to have a team that is unpredictable. So if you and I and the fans who follow this team and really feel like we know all the players' tendencies are having a hard time figuring out what's that lineup going to be, imagine the rest of the league trying to figure it out with two top five players. And then is it Lou and Trez to close with Zubats, who by the way has been amazing in this young season is Landry Shamit. Once he gets back on track and that's in a win, not if situation uh, I mean, where does he factor in because he can play both sides of the ball? This is, a, this is as deep of a team as this, this organization has ever seen. I state the obvious, but I think this, this team could really be something special for a very long time because of that depth, because of the age of most of these guys, and because of the contractual situation. Let's hope that Doc has a lot of difficult decisions to make for years to come.
0: He is one of the best coaches, obviously, that we've seen in the NBA. And he did a tremendous job last year. And people will look at this team and just look at the talent. But part of coaching is choosing which talent's going to be on the floor. You've been around him now for a while. What have you taken away from Doc in terms of how good of a coach he is? I marvel at it. Um, And I go
1: back to, you know, it's funny – For a while, people harped on the fact that the Clippers never got out of the second round with Chris, Blake, and DeAndre. But then you started hearing, you know, we saw the Chris and the Blake matchup, you know, here at Staples Center. And you could see that there was clearly tension. And my thought was, well, the story shouldn't be that they didn't get out of the second round. The story should be they got in there in the first place based off of what seems like a real unbalanced chemistry in that locker room. So you go to the first year without Chris, they trade Blake, you've got all the injuries. That was the year that I thought, man, this dude knows what he's doing. Um, they trade Blake and they ascend in the Western Conference. Last year, they trade Tobias Harris and they get better numerically. And that is no slight on Tobias at all um, in any way. But what really surprised me is we were seeing his X's and O's, you know, and how great he was throughout the Chris Blake DJ era. We saw it through the last couple of years. But to get a team to continue to buy in that getting to the playoffs was truly the goal when tanking is so in vogue. He brought in Lou Williams and Pat Beverly and Danilo Gallinari in a game in Minnesota shortly after that trade was made last year and said, believe it or not, we're still trying to make the playoffs. I need you guys to deliver that message. And they were, they were all on board for him to have the trust of the players to be able to sell that message two consecutive trade deadlines in a row where they trade their leading scorer. Again, when everyone knows they're pointing to that summer, the summer of 2019 for everybody to stay galvanized and focus and play better basketball. That to me was the best sign of doc rivers. We know what he can do with a clipboard. We've heard great stories about him bringing everybody together, but th- that moment in Minnesota where he brought everybody, those three leaders, the culture setters of that team, It was amazing in my mind.
0: And if you look at the personalities on that team, they're all buying in. And then you add in Kawhi and PG. And it might be crazy to say this, but I think Doc is better suited to coach this group with with, with Kawhi and PG versus a LeBron and Anthony Davis. I I think that those personalities that the Clippers have now versus if you were to bring in, let's say you had AD and LeBron instead of those two, I think Doc is coaching – the Clippers to a better record with the current guys he has versus LeBron and AD. Curious to get your thoughts on that because you have two big personalities in LeBron and Anthony Davis versus Kawhi and PG who it seems like they're just buying in.
1: Well, I feel like, Doc, uh, I mean, if you could coach Kevin Garnett, uh, you can coach anybody. And that's not to say that he's a problem. He's actually a coach's dream, but he's such a massive presence in that locker room. If you can coach him, I feel pretty confident you're going to have success anywhere. And to get Paul Pierce is another one to buy-in with what they were doing in boston tells you a lot about doc the thing about this is when doc arrived to the clippers in 2013 the culture was pretty set there were chemistry issues when he arrived they probably stayed there for a while and then they peaked probably in 2017 or whatever it was and when everybody asked out but this is now culture that he has helped build lawrence frank has continued that in his great staff of the front office Bringing players in, they keep talking about it. We're going to be a hard-nosed, scrappy team. Do you remember the, you know, when Steve Ballmer got, you know, on stage at Staples Center? We're going to be hardcore. That was what he wanted. They have those players now. Doc helped assemb- uh, you know, bring those guys in, assemble that culture that is just tough-nosed, tough-minded. And so, when you look at that team last year, and there was a bit of concern on my part, just based off of bringing in personalities, bringing in new players you had a great team and a great culture that kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And then you bring in two guys like Kawhi and Paul George, who on paper seemed to be that type of team. I still kept thinking about what happened in Boston last year with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Hayward's a guy that I think just wants to play basketball. Kyrie, who is terrific on the floor can be a bit of a, a problem in the locker room. It sounds like from what you read in the papers, I wondered if that would be disruptive here and talking with the players, and I've talked to a lot of them about it, they all said, look, they're the two most perfect players for us to get are here now in Kawhi and Paul George. And it goes back to the culture that Doc has set. This is what he wanted when he got here, and now he has it and then some with this current squad.
0: The headlines obviously are around Kawhi and PG and all those guys, and deservedly so, but you mentioned one guy that has had a really good start, and it's Zubats. I mean, he has just been tremendous – defensively, I think, for the most part, the way he has shut down Marcus Aldridge, Rudy Gobert, He's done a really good job against some of the top centers in the league. How has he progressed this well? Who is he working with? What have you noticed?
1: I've noticed a couple of things. So the, the staff really paid attention to him in the offseason. In fact, they went over to Croatia to train with him. He said no coaches have ever done that in previous summers while he was with the Lakers. Clippers paid close attention to him. What he also did was lose a ton of weight or, in the sense, gain muscle, trim the fat. I remember being in Sacramento, maybe it was late March of last year, and it was a shoot-around, and Lou and Doc were talking, and Lou turns to Doc and he goes, boy, this kid's got another level of conditioning, and when he gets it, he's going to be scary. And Doc says, oh, yeah, we've already got the plan laid out, essentially, is what he said, and that plan was laid out to Zoo. He executed it to perfection, hired a personal chef, got, got leaner, got stronger. His hands were a problem last year. And I asked him about that when we were in Phoenix, about how he feels now. He's like, well, I had a ligament tear, I had a bone fracture in one. It was really hard for me to finish. If you look at his numbers last year around the rim, they're very unimpressive for his seven-footer. This year, he's one of the league leaders in that category around the iron, small sample size, but I think it will play out. So I've noticed his ability to catch and finish much better. Defensively, I thought he was pretty good last year. The numbers would support that, too. He was very good with the Lakers on the floor on that side of the ball as well. So uh, they knew what they saw in in Zubats. You know, they gave him a four-year deal. I was surprised at the length of contract. But now I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised with anything that that front office does anymore. And Lawrence, we trust and. <laughs> Zubat has been terrific, I think, here in this young season.
0: Are they going to make another move, do you think? Are, are they going to add somebody to maybe help behind Zoo and Trez? Do you, do you think that they need one more piece? Or do you think right now they are the team that we're going to see in the next couple of months?
1: I think this is the team going forward. I mean, to get something, you have to give up something. And I'm not really sure what kind of, uh, what kind of you know, asset that they want to give up. Obviously, they don't have a ton of draft picks right now um this team can win it all the way they are right now this team can win it all and you know if an opportunity presents itself there's no question that they'll pursue it but i just i think that they value the culture the chemistry in that locker room they have right now that making a move you know if you take somebody that's a rotational player i mean that's going to disrupt some things and i don't think they want to do that i don't think they need to do that
0: yeah i think. It was interesting because obviously Eric was talking about Noah before the season started, and they've done well enough right now. I think you include PG and you kind of see where you are uh, and go from there. Obviously, the buyout market, who knows what will happen. One final thing before I let you go, Kawhi's load management has been a topic already. He sat out in the first game of a back-to-back in that Utah game at Utah. The Clippers only have two games this week, but they're a back-to-back. Do you think he plays in both those games and and how difficult or what do you think of the load management so far? Because it's obviously very early in the season to start managing a guy that didn't even much play much during the preseason.
1: So, I mean, the load management question is going to be here to stay. There's, you know, um, I don't know a fan that enjoys it and I get it. I totally understand their view Um, with Kawhi you know, who has shown signs of kind of wear and tear on his body over the, as the season goes on, you'd rather keep him at a level than have to restore him by sitting him down, if that makes any sense. And he's finally tuned into his body. This is a guy that does get extra treatment. When we go to a city, he doesn't go out to eat. He goes to the trainer's room, and they work on his body, and he takes care of it, much like Blake did. Uh, unfortunately for, for Blake, obviously riddled with injuries. They're trying to avoid that with Kawhi here. I'd rather keep him well and maintain him that way than bring him up. The load management thing is going to be a, a question that we always have. I'm not privy to the schedule. I imagine a lot of it has to do with minutes. If the Clippers need 40 minutes from him and on Wednesday, my guess is he doesn't play on Thursday. But what do I know? I don't know what they are trying to do. Um, I just know that they want to keep him healthy. The game's in November are not important. The games in June are the ones that they have circled and, you know, Kawhi talked about his load management last year going through that playoff race that if I didn't have that load management this uh season, I wouldn't be here. We would not be in the playoffs anymore. So, you got to take it for what it's worth from Kawhi. He's a guy that wants to play. And I think he knows his body better than we do. So, we can all be frustrated if he's not playing, but understand there's a longer view in mind.
0: Yeah, I know that he said before the season that's probably not going to be an issue like it was last year, but it seems like the Clippers are still going to be very careful with him. I said I, I let one last question. I actually have one more. Where in the world did your Twitter handle come from? Because I was about to say, you can follow him on Twitter, and I knew that you changed it. It used to be at b Seaman, Now it's at Hot Damn Inc. How in the world did you come up with that? <laughs> So it's funny, everybody kept telling me, and
1: I'm not, I, I'm not active on it, but you got to have an Instagram account. You got to have an Instagram account. Everybody's on the gram. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I didn't want to just be B. Semen, which is what it was B. Semen at whatever Twitter, whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm like, so I was, uh, I'm like, well, I want to do something creative. I wanted it to be something different. Hot damn is something that my mother used to say when we were kids. Uh, I'll occasionally say it on air, or at least I did on, on radio, on Game Winners. And so I was like, well, if I could change it, I'll change it on Twitter just for fun. And I was able to get that handle, Hot Damn Incorporated. So that's where it comes from. It's really a hat tip to my mother. Uh, and so I, I don't even know if she knows that I've done that. But she has heard me say Hot Damn. She asked me where it came from, and I reminded her that she said it a lot when we were kids. and So that's where, again, it's a hat tip to mom.
0: And you can follow him on Twitter at Hot Damn Inc. And we're eventually we're going to get you on Twitter enough where you're there pretty much every day and tweeting a bunch of stuff. But that day will come. It's at some just point. hard. It's just hard. Like I just sit there and I'm like, why does anybody care about that information? Because they do. And that's
1: where I, <laughs> I just I just I need to let go. I, I agree with you. It's a great tool, and I have I have great access to the team, and I want to share that with everybody. Uh, but sometimes I, I I'll tell you I probably have a couple of tweets a week where I'm like, I'm going to put that out there. And then I'm like,
0: who cares? Nobody
1: cares about you. Just, just let it go. Just,
0: just post, it a, just post a selfie, post a selfie with you and Corey before a game or you and Chauncey or something, or your, uh, your vantage point from where you are. It's weird, but people like that kind of stuff. I will do it. I'll take your advice. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks again for coming on, Brian. Always great having you and uh, hope we can have you on soon on the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Anytime, my friend. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was good to have Brian back on uh, when we had him on the first time. It was rumored that he was going to be the new voice of the Clippers replacing Ralph, but he couldn't actually talk about it. But now, obviously, he's allowed to talk about it, so it's great to hear his insight into how it happened, um, a little bit about that, and obviously what the transition has been like. If you want to get a bigger, uh, bigger look at what happened behind the scenes and all that, there was a very good article written in the Orange County Register. Um, I believe it was Miriam Swanson that wrote the article. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce her first name. I hope that that's the case. But she did a really good job with it. I didn't want to rehash all that because it would just be repeating the same thing that people have already read. So I wanted to try and talk to Brian about different things that weren't brought up. So just go ahead, read that conversation um, on the Orange County Register if you have not already to hear about how we got the job, um, his meeting with Ballmer, all that kind of stuff. It was interesting for sure. Now, what's ahead for the Clippers? Wednesday and Thursday, a back-to-back. Brian mentioned it. I talked about it with Kawhi. Are we going to see Kawhi both games? I was dead wrong in my prediction in the last podcast where I said that he was going to play both in the back-to-back. I really thought that they were not going to manage him as much as they are, uh, but these games are both at home versus Milwaukee and versus Portland. Two good teams. So the question is, does he play both? And I think right now, I think he does. But that being said, I think Brian is right. If Kawhi has to play a bunch of minutes against Milwaukee, we probably will not see him in Thursday's game. But obviously, we'll have to see what does happen. Don't forget, you can always follow the podcast at Clips. You can follow me at BDMarcus.com. Go ahead, tweet at me. Let me know who you want to be on the show. Let me know what you think of the show. iTunes, please go rate and review the podcast. Give up for the five-star review and give us a five-star rating and review the podcast as well. It does help us a lot and it means a lot. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. A good chat with Brian Seaman. We'll be along. Hopefully, my goal is to do a podcast on Friday, either Thursday or Friday. I'm leaving to travel with my the women's basketball team that I broadcast for. So I won't be able to do one during the weekend, most likely, um, unless I do one on Sunday. So it's either going to be, I know it's a many different dates I'm giving you, either be Thursday, Friday, or Sunday that we release the next podcast. The Clippers only play two games this week, though. So it'll be reviewing, obviously, those two games in the back-to-back. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. Hope you enjoy this one, and we'll talk to you next time.